Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this episode. In this episode, I'm joined by a good friend of mine and a good role model for good Catholic living as young adults as we talk about brotherhood and balancing work life, normal life, and our faith life. Welcome back, everybody, to Chatty Cathy. I am joined with a leader in the CCM community as well as the um, Greek community at Missouri State University, Noah Diffley. What's your middle name, actually? Noah. Middle name is Michael. Michael. Noah Michael Diffley. Yes, sir. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Yeah, like Javier said, uh, my name is Noah. Uh, I volunteer on the peer ministry board here at CCM and uh, I am involved in Theta Chi fraternity. I uh, have been for a couple years now. Held a couple leadership positions there. Um, so I know that Javier wants to talk about a little bit of the dynamics with those things. Um, but great to be here. Uh, to whoever cares to hear what tidbits of information that I have to offer, uh, great to hear from you all as well. So thanks for uh, tuning in a little bit. Uh, I'll do my best to provide what I can. Uh, and again, great to sit and have a conversation with Javier. I always enjoy when we can sit together and chat a little bit uh, when we come across one another day to day. So uh, good to be here. Good to hang out. I always have a good time talking with you. We have some good convos. Usually it's us playing ping pong, but that would probably mess with the audio a little bit too much. So unfortunately, we can't really do that. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, But hey, I'm down after we're done with this. Yeah, uh, we'll see what kind of time we've got on the schedule. But uh, usually that ends up being a good opportunity to to kind of release a little bit of energy and, and uh, relieve some stress playing ping pong for a half hour or so. So yeah. maybe we can do that in a little bit. Always a good time. Uh, you also, um, your family does uh, have their own business back in St. Louis, correct? Uh, yeah. What is that? Yeah. So, uh, so back home, my family runs a uh, butcher shop and a restaurant uh, in St. Louis. Um, that's somewhere where I'm a, a frequent employee. Uh, and I spend a lot of my days there when I'm not at school. So I do love doing that and something I'm passionate about. Definitely an area of life I didn't know that I'd have knowledge in, but mm-hmm. uh, something that's fun to do nonetheless. For those of you listening, I can see a smirk coming from Javier because I was supposed to employ him months ago. So <laughs> I'm working on that. Uh, potentially going to link up there too. But yeah, butcher shop and a restaurant. Uh, really do love that environment too. I love that. I think it's fantastic. So um, you're involved in a lot of things, volunteering uh, at CCM as a peer minister, um, plus you're in a leadership role in um, Theta Chi fraternity. And when you're at home in St. Louis, you are constantly helping out your family with the um, the butcher shop and you're working. Uh, so one of my big main questions is with all that stuff, like, I, you know, I see you on campus, I see you constantly working hard because you're still and, you know, academic as well. You're still doing school. You still have classes that you have to go to. Um, but I still see you making the faith a priority in your life. And so, you know, you're playing that that balancing act of everything and still making the faith um, a key component that does kind of, you know, I'm assuming fall through everything there. So I was just kind of wondering. Yeah, I'm wondering where the question comes in here. Huh? Yeah, like honest. with your perspective about what a that. a long question. I'll tell you what. Yeah, yeah. I, You know I like to talk. That's why I'm doing this. Yeah, Gives fair. me an excuse. Fair. Get to the point, my brother. What do you want to know? 
What is it like balancing all that? And are there any pressures that you put on yourself or that other people put on you with being able to balance the, in quote unquote, life and then the faith life? Yeah. Um, I'd say most of it is self-applied pressure, but there's certainly a lot of pressure there. Um, my, my faith definitely comes first for me and it's something that I'd like to prioritize uh, every single day. Wake up and, and put that over just about anything else that I would be doing that day. Um, but it's a busy life. Uh, I talk a lot with my parents and with my friends about the fact that sometimes being in college feels like you're doing just as much as an adult would, um, but you're but you're living in close quarters with all of your peers and you're involved in other extracurriculars and you're trying to live life as an adult. Um, most of the time, spiritually, the same way you're trying to you're trying to grow in maturity there, while also, like you said, passing classes and maybe having a job or leadership roles in other organizations and things like that, it does make for a pretty busy lifestyle. Um, and a, a lot of that is self-applied pressure. I've gotten over-involved in a lot of things over the last couple of years, and I really need to evaluate my time commitments there. But but what it comes down to is faith has to be more important than the rest of it. And, um, and I know that, and sometimes I have to continue to remind myself that. Uh, my sophomore year, I made a, I made a change, so to speak. Um, that I was really proud of. I started to schedule my classes around 12:15 daily mass. Mm. Um, I'd have morning classes and I'd have afternoon classes, but I was able to start to have enough flexibility to create a, a break in my day for mass and then lunch, um, and go back to my academics later in the afternoon. So that was that was a big moment for me to be able to prioritize that um, because in a busy day, you know, making it to mass or or holy hour or something like that is is pivotal. Yeah. Um, when I make it, my day goes great, and and it seems like uh, no shock. But when I don't make it, the day's pretty hectic. Um, so it's kind of like an anchor. Yeah, absolutely an anchor. Something that um, is is tough to schedule in, um, but holds a lot of weight. Um, it's a there's plenty of excuses, and and it's easy to easy to walk into a scenario where you know you don't make it to holy hour, you don't make it to mass, and um, and the weight of that decision uh, can make or break your day, honestly. Um, mm. But when you have it, it, it sets my routine and and it really sets me up for success. And um, and I'm really grateful for it. Perfect break in my day. Uh, perfect opportunity to thank the Lord for all the rest of the stuff that that's happening. Kind of like you said, what other people would call life. Um, the rest of it, uh, definitely an opportunity to think about those things and and to pray about them and, and thank the Lord for. The opportunities yeah. and things like that but yeah in terms of week to week uh, the plenty that I do with Theta Chi and plenty that I do here at CCM and and I'm a financial planning major and I have a economics minor so school certainly isn't easy <laughs> numbers uh, numbers numbers yeah last semester was the hardest semester I've had by far um, and I, I certainly struggled I I don't know that I would admit this to my mother but going into finals week uh, there was a, there was a chance that I failed three classes. Um, and by the end of finals week, uh, I had made it through all of my, uh, five or six classes Come on. semester. So at a boy, so we survived, but <laughs> certainly don't want another semester that looked like that one. Um, I was very overcommitted, but I guess what I'm realizing now is that that's a tendency in myself and, um, that if I'm going to be overcommitted, I'd rather be overcommitted here, um, than overcommitted elsewhere. So trying to balance it, trying to set priorities and, and ultimately just have to understand that 
my faith is more important than all of the rest of it, even if the rest of it is is good things that I still care about and right. I want to be involved in. And, um, and it's so easy to get distracted when you're doing the rest of it because you're, you're not always, um, like the, the, the Lord isn't always all, you know, front and center present in your mind when you are like, you know, hanging with friends or doing, you know, playing a game or anything like that, or just mm-hmm. hang, you know, but when you do kind of, you know, ret- retrospectively think about it, it's like, you know, he gave me those friends. He gave me this opportunity to be in this particular spot in this particular part of the world, along with the other person in this particular spot, like all those like little things that just all like led to that. Mm-hmm. And so like, I, I always try at the end of the day to, you know, kind of look back and remember it's like all every interaction that I had with people today, all my friends, all that good stuff mm-hmm. stemmed from him putting it there because there were obviously, you know, you know, days have good and bad things happening. But obviously he works through the bad stuff just as much as he works through the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's like everything was there for a reason and just another day that I was blessed with. And the more we can day. sit and realize that, the better. Um, whether it be first thing in the morning or uh, late at night before we go to bed or, or kind of why I like twelve fifteen Mass, maybe smack dab in the middle of my day to mm-hmm. to sit and realize how blessed I am is, is really, really important. And um, And like you said, to understand... The ways that the Lord has influenced me and and put me in certain scenarios to to be successful and certainly to thank Him for that and um, and sometimes I don't you're right I don't realize the Lord's impact when say it's three o'clock in the morning and I have a really important conversation with a fraternity brother of mine I may not always know that in the moment um, just how present the Lord is in that but sitting back the next day and and realizing just how blessed I am to to encounter that individual and, and to have a, a building conversation um, or, or just a fun moment, honestly. Uh, nights staying up, you know, playing Mario Kart or Dude. Uh, or sitting <laughs> around talking about football and uh, watching the sunrise and, and all of the very specific moments that I wouldn't have without Theta Chi, but I wouldn't have Theta Chi without the Lord giving me an opportunity to, to come to school and, and to do those things and to yep. create a life here in Springfield. So. Definitely an integral part of life that that we forget and we overlook, and the good Lord really has blessed us. and uh, And the more times we can find during the day to to sit with that and realize that and to thank Him for it, the better. So, I definitely agree. Yeah, I like that. You have um, you know, being in the fraternity, both in Theta Chi, but also a Knight of Columbus member, which is also a fraternity in itself. Um, you were in a few leadership roles at the fraternity, being this is your junior year here. You've been in there since your freshman year, correct? Uh-huh. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah. So you have that, uh, you have a good mindset of what, um, you know, fraternity brotherhood looks like um, in that particular instance. And so my next question that I would like to talk about is um, how we can, um, as young adults, steward and grow in fellowship with each other. Not only, um, you know, within the faith, obviously, is a big key integral part, but also being able to do stuff outside. Because sometimes they do kind of separate, like we talked about earlier, where it's like, yeah, faith kind of tends to be kind of my own thing. But like, I'll hang out with my buddies at like the bowling alley. But like, how can we kind of like steward to each other and grow in fellowship and connect the two? And with your perspective, what are, you, what are your what are some thoughts? Yeah, I uh, I first want to I want to address Theta Chi and then I want to address the Knights and then and then kind of tie it all back together. Um, 
I, I held two leadership roles with Theta Chi uh, my freshman year. I took one, and then my sophomore year, I took another, and those were both year-long roles where I was where I was placed in an environment to really foster those friendships and um, to really start to understand what brotherhood really means. Um, I know Theta Chi certainly defines brotherhood as as friendship and accountability, and where those two things become intertwined, you start to see brotherhood. Yeah. Um, so that was a cool perspective to gather for sure, and and something we can we definitely can use as Catholic men to sit and say, yeah, we might be friends and we might enjoy each other's company socially, but when we can hold each other accountable and we can grow in that, that's when we really become brothers as opposed to friends. Um, so that part I, I, I really love that I got to take away from Theta Chi and, um, and that's awesome. But like you said, the Knights of Columbus was also a big part of that. Uh, I held the position of, of deputy uh, in this past year and um, potentially considering taking another role there. Um, definitely excited about the possibilities that could happen there but but that also talks about fraternity and brotherhood and and how we can be unified one of the big pillars of that is unity yeah um, and seeing where that also comes together to to highlight an importance of being together and supporting one another and talking about what we're passionate about and loving each other and um, calling each other higher certainly I know Theta Chi has a member development program um, and I know the Knights certainly have a, a membership development program, and, and <laughs> it's called discipleship, and it's yeah. called uh, a Christian faith, and and it's super important, and it's pivotal, and it's beyond the Knights. It's it's life development, really, and um, and when we can sit back and we can say that that's an integral part of of our Knights of Columbus Council, that's also really important. So when you when you sit with all of those things, and then you look at what does brotherhood really mean, and and what does that look like, what is that friendship all about? Um, ultimately, Javi, I think it comes down to men being surrounded by one another, living life, life together and calling each other higher, um, is kind of the baseline definition of it, right? It's, um, it's me and you seeing each other in a way that's friendly socially and saying, I appreciate that person as an individual. I desire to spend time with them. I want what's best for them. And I'm willing to do my part in contributing in that, um, uh, it comes down to, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas's definition of love, right? Yeah. Um, to will what's good for the other, regardless of what it means for oneself, right? Like when I see you, sacrifice. And I, if, yeah, yeah. If I, if I really think that you're a friend and a brother, uh, I'm going to sit and I'm going to say, well, I want what's good for Javier. And if that means a tough conversation for me, or that means that I need to give an hour of my time to sit and have a conversation that's important or, um, go offer prayers for him or, or yeah. whatever. Or come, come on his stupid podcast. That yeah, too. or sit on a 45-minute <laughs> podcast that uh, that holds little to no weight to the outside world. Um, whatever it is, man, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely an opportunity to say, yeah, man, it comes with sacrifice and it comes with what are you going to do and your part to benefit another individual that you care about and you love and you recognize as a son of God, right? Um, and that That's the brotherhood side of it. And really... The way that we do that is also in how we treat women and, and our friends that uh, are women also. So being able to, to have positive relations that way too and support them certainly shows what kind of a brother we are too. I know I've got, I've got an older sister and, uh, and I know my relationship with her says more about who I am as a brother than when I bicker and butt heads with my younger brother or, um, or I get in a fight with my older brother or whatever it may be. Um, <laughs> certainly we butt heads there and and that's a, an opportunity to reflect on 
my identity as a as a brother, so to speak, um, biologically. But <clears throat> it's the it's the times where I interact with my older sister Morgan where I realize more so uh, what I'm supposed to be doing as a brother, as a as a loving f- figure in that relationship, and um, you know, paying attention to what's important and leading others uh, higher and and working to you know, I help you, you help me kind of scenario, uh, that relationship amongst men can really foster a great community. And ultimately, I think uh, part of the reason that talking about it makes me so happy is because there's going to be a lot of opportunities at CCM in the next year uh, that yeah. we could be doing a lot of really, really cool things from a, from a fraternity aspect, right? From mm-hmm. fraternal desires and, and brotherhood and, and ultimately, like I said, man, love and sacrifice. Uh, and when You've got a group of men loving and sacrificing for one another. That's that can really push the church forward and, and can really foster some great prayer life and some great community and positivity yeah. and joy, honestly. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I know that's a long winded answer to your question, and I don't even really know that I answered your question. But those are my thoughts that that kind of popped up as you were talking through yeah. some of that. So, no, I thought that was good. And, you know, the thoughts are what's important. It's good to just get them out. Um, and you kind of hit on something at the end there that I really like that I want, you know, maybe want to talk about a little bit too is the core of being a good man of that, like self-sacrificing love to will the good of the other, not only for our fellow men, um, in like the army per se, uh, of like the spiritual battle that we go through every day, but also with the women as well. And so growing in faith together, um, and stewarding to one another in that aspect, how do you think that we can grow in daily life as just normal, like gentlemen, as we say? Because like being, you know, the word gentle and gentleman with gentle and man, you know, we can be the tough guy, obviously. We're allowed to be that. We're allowed to be a protector. And that is something that we are called to sometimes. But also being just a gentleman in general, how the faith can lend to that and how being a gentleman in it itself ties straight back into being committed to Jesus Christ and stewarding to other people. Yeah, we're called to a lot. Um, I think something that is kind of forgotten about and misunderstood is is what what, what is a man's role in the church? Uh, I think that sometimes we really forget to sit back and say, "What's my job in all this?" And where because you kind of think, like, what role do I play? Right? Yeah, you kind of um, think sometimes like men. You think of priests, but like we're not. No, we're near well, in all. Terms of lay, yeah, yeah, in terms of lay people, it's uh, not not everybody is going to be um, a father in that sense, right? And, yeah. and we're all called to different vocations. But but to answer your question, um, something a book that I read recently that I really really enjoyed, and and they certainly have a podcast and a program and and all kinds of stuff associated with it. But the Catholic Gentleman, I think the book was yep. written by Sam Guzman. Um, uh, but. That was a book that I really enjoyed reading because it kind of put it all into perspective for me uh, as to as to what men are called to, and I think I think it's rarely uh, defined and looked at and, and really thought about, um, especially on a day to day basis from the men of the church. But like you said, to a degree, you kind of hit the nail on the head with sometimes we're called to <laughs> to be a strong physical presence and a protector, and 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 we really need to be the rock, so to speak, and and other times we're we're called to be gentle and loving and sacrificial and um, and those things can happen all within the same individual and, and a lot of it has to do with discerning where the Lord's calling you higher and um, and I know for, for example purposes 
I kind of knew that this would come up eventually, but I've been dating the same girl for seven and a half years now. Mm -hmm. Um, started what started as a 14 year old friendship, uh, really. And, and, and a desire to just spend time together, uh, grew into one of the most pivotal relationships in my life. And, uh, and Abby has certainly been a blessing in that way, but she really has taught me that, uh, that being a man isn't really what the rest of the world shows you. It has nothing to do with, uh, going to the gym and having a six pack. And it has nothing to do with how much money you got. And it has nothing to do with how much you could bench press or, uh, or what kind of charm you might have. What kind of car you drive. Yeah. What car you drive, how great you flirt. It does not, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Um, and I, and I had to learn that certainly I was a cocky young kid. (laughs) (laughs) Big football star. I, well, yeah. Until I blew my knee out, but, uh, yeah, football was my pride and joy, and I uh, and I loved feeling like the king of the world, and I got straight A's, and I certainly felt like a king. Um, but it, you know, put it into perspective, and she helped me realize it a lot of times through high school. But it wasn't about those things, you know. It's about how you treat others, and whether or not you serve, and um, and what your perspective on the big picture is. Um, things like. Volunteering with uh, the Special Olympics in high school, she kind of influenced me to get involved in that and um, and realizing that not everybody is as fortunate as we are and uh, sometimes we're just called to be friends and loving figures for those people. And um, But that's just one example of, uh, the, of how we need to sit back and we need to see the bigger picture and what opportunities are sitting in front of us to, to do the Lord's will. Um, but like you said, you know, wh- what are men called to in the church? Ultimately... It can be um, the sturdy rock, right? Or it can be a true gentleman and, and what that might mean too and and being vulnerable and, and having a prayer life ultimately. It's, there's, there's a stigma around prayer and faith being for women because it's emotionally driven. Yep. Um, yeah. I was actually just having a just, conversation earlier about how... It drives me crazy, yeah. man. I, I sat around in high school and I watched so many men run away from their faith and and not be involved in church because they thought that it was a weakness. Yeah. That it was a vulnerability that they couldn't take on because it was that of, of a woman's emotions. And, and I certainly could go on for hours about that topic. So I'll kind of keep brief, but, (laughs) but it drives me crazy because you know, that it's a, it's about understanding what Jesus did for us. And it's about understanding what then, how we're called to love him also and, uh, and serve in that way. And none of that has to be rooted in uh, this emotional vulnerability, although we need that, right? We have to choose to be vulnerable in it. (laughs) The objective truth of why we're Catholic and why we show up every Sunday has nothing to do with us. And, and uh, it's objective truth and it's, and maybe it drives emotions out of you and that's great, right? Like there, there are moments certainly uh, in the church where you can see men who, who are very, vulnerable and they become very emotionally called to serving the church. And, um, and there are some really cool moments that the Holy spirit presents in in those kinds of things, but that doesn't by any, any means, uh, mean that it's all about your emotions. Uh, as men, we need to learn to control our emotions, but we're there there for objective truth and we need to understand that. And what does that objective truth lead us to do? Well, it should lead us to serve and to love and however that may be. Uh, discerning the Lord's calling there and, and doing what we're asked. And, uh, and you, you certainly have to know God and, and develop a prayer life 
to be able to even know what the heck he's calling you to. Yeah. Um, you can't hear him asking you to serve if you're being ignorant and you're not open to a prayer life yeah. with him. Got to so. pick up that phone call. You can't just expect the answer. Yeah, and certainly you can't even hear it ringing if you uh, if you're not around it. So mm-hmm. you, you have to put yourself in the environment. Um, and that ultimately, that's how he forms us as leaders in the church. So uh, got to have an open heart, and and uh, an open heart doesn't always mean uh, that we have to be weak. And I think that's a right. stigma around yeah. that. So. Definitely. But again, could go on for hours about that. So I'll, of course, I'll keep it there. Of course. We got plenty of time, but that was, that was really good. I like that. I don't want to bring up a, uh, a sour topic, um, but you blew out your knee during football? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I started playing football in middle school, uh, and I loved it. I played all kinds of positions. I grew up, my father was a coach for a long time, and Grew up loving football, playing with my cousins in the backyard, and, and kind of dreamed of the day that I'd be able to to play high school football. Uh, yeah. The fact that high school football felt like it was the NFL, um, <laughs> it, it explains my whole story, so to speak. So I so I looked at it that way, and, and I went into high school with you know this eagerness to get involved because in middle school I was really successful. I, I would say that I I peaked athletically, and I matured <laughs> and I matured rather quickly in middle school. Uh, I was naturally the biggest, fastest, strongest guy on the field. Sixth, seventh, eighth grade, ninth grade, and then everybody caught up. <laughs> sophomore and junior <laughs> sophomore, year. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. But, uh, yeah, went into high school, made the varsity football team my freshman year. Um, was living the high life. And uh, and late in the game, uh, late in the season, uh, I actually I touched the ball for the first time in a varsity game. And, uh Picked up six yards as the tailback and, yeah. and was tackled low by an all-state safety who mm. went on to play college football. And my cleat stayed in the ground as I flipped over the top of him. Uh. And, uh, tore my ACL, my MCL, my meniscus, and my right knee. Just all of it. Yep. Um, yeah, that that was no fun. Uh, rehabbed that for about a year. Uh, so I didn't play the end of my freshman year. And then uh, kind of slowed my way into it sophomore year. Played junior varsity sophomore year to try to to try to use it as rehab and and to try to really get back up to speed. Yep. Um, it was an okay year, but again, it was mostly rehab. And then junior year, I played uh, most of the year. Kind of jumped around in some different positions. Uh, being five foot six, uh, I didn't think I'd play the positions that I played. But I started half the year middle linebacker, and I started really. Wow. I started three games as a defensive tackle and. Uh, Played about six snaps as a defensive back and tight end ever. Um, yeah, I played tight end. I played nice. fullback. Uh, I played tailback for a little while. No QB. Uh, I played quarterback at the JV level my sophomore year. And, wow, look at you. Uh, played in middle school and that kind of thing. So I kind I jumped around quite a bit and never um, the kicker though. Huh? And I just really loved football. Yeah, no, I was never the kicker. <laughs> could never do that, and I could rarely catch actually. Um, oh, my hands were not great. But football was a, a big thing for me, and it was an opportunity for me to create good relationships with some guys and and ultimately it was a way that I I connected with a lot of Christian friends. I it was not where I expected to encounter that, but right. fellowship of Christian athletes in high school was a big thing for me and yeah. And they had a great impact on me. But yeah, hurt my knee then and uh and sophomore and junior year played a good chunk and senior year I hurt my other knee. Mm. Uh, I did that one twice. Uh, tore my MCL two days before the first game and my MPFL in week four and yikes ended up coaching the rest of my senior year so 
Not bad. Yeah. So it was uh it was an interesting experience. Not the uh, high school football that people that's that's all cracked cracked up to be, but um, right. Where'd you go to high school? Same I went to, question. Yeah, I went to Rockwood Summit High School. Mm. Um, which is Falcons. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I went. My older brother went there. Um, my younger brother went there, and then youngest brother's a freshman there now. But big Summit family uh, was coached by my father and by two uncles, and I uh, was surrounded by my family. And uh, I mentioned Abby, my girlfriend, went to school with me, and so it was it was good. I. <laughs> Yeah, I had a lot of friends who went to private high schools, though. So a lot of my good church friends, I, I didn't see at school. I, I saw after school and through youth group. And yeah, youth group. Youth ministry. Love youth group. Sacred Heart Valley Park was my parish in high school and Very still nice. is now. So um, I'm around there quite a bit in youth ministry stuff. And so they certainly had an impact on me. And that's where a good chunk of my friends were. But yeah, Rockwood Summit High School. Football, track and field. Even did some competitive powerlifting in the winter. So Wow, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Yeah. It was uh it was interesting. I actually I'm proud to say I still hold the uh the bench press record for the high school. Um come on. Three hundred and forty five pounds. Uh, that is like more than twice my body weight. Yeah, that was my, <laughs> that was a big accomplishment for me. That was my junior year. It was peak track season and I was throwing shot put discus and javelin at the time and uh and my head strength coach I worked with all four years and uh so that was I was in Peak athletic condition right about then. And Love it. That was a big moment. Uh, but the, And then my counterpart, so to speak, I always joke, uh, I hold that record for people who weigh less than 200 pounds. Mm. Um, the man who holds that record for bench press for that high school for weighing more than 200 pounds, uh, his name is Brandon Williams, and he played nine years in the NFL. And yeah. He just won a Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs. So. Yeah, uh, hard to compete with that. So fun company. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're in there. You know, name is on that plaque, baby. I don't know about that. He uh, his was like four fifteen or four four twenty five oh, okay. or something like that. Yeah. So that's more than like most people weigh in their entire lifetime. I would hope. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I would hope so too. Staying staying healthy anyway. Yes. Good healthy fitness. Yeah. So good. I like athletic minds though. They're fun. But thanks for. Um, your perspectives and your thought processes. I think you know, you're a very well-spoken man. I appreciate that a lot. Thanks, brother. And I appreciate your leadership here. I know you've been a key part, integral part in my life. I know being my two years here in college already, you know, already looked up to you as a good role model, an example of good positive masculinity and keeping the faith and ever-present part in your life, no matter where you're at. I appreciate that, brother. So, yeah, absolutely. Let's continue to foster that, and and I would love to, you know, the two of us and and certainly our small group of of men here at CCM. I think we can do a lot of great things. So let's continue to to be aware of that and and yeah. do what what we can and 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 notice ultimately when we're called higher and yeah and not be afraid to go all in and do it. So yeah, every day, Absolutely. every day is a new opportunity. Yep, certainly. Thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it a lot. Yeah, thanks, brother. We'll talk later.